very fortunate to have found the aspects of like invoice and stock finance. Because obviously, I mean, what that gives you, yes, obviously it comes at a cost like everything in life. But it's um, it's obviously it gives you cash flow, whereas basically, I guess, for those who don't know, I mean, invoice finance is where someone, uh, let's say I write an invoice for £1,000, uh, they pay X percent of the invoice today. And then uh, whenever the customer pays, I'll get I'll get the difference. Entering the US, it needs to be with a big bank, so with a big retail client or B2B client. But. So especially like after all that, because obviously Unilad Press, like Unilad, Lad Bible, that's all of like North American press. So I had a lot of like angry emails, almost like, why are you not selling here uh, kind of thing. So, yeah, so I mean, we're, we're constantly having conversations. But I guess, again, the strategy just needs to be just needs to be very thought out because, um, I mean, it, it's a it would, would just it's a quite a big distraction in a sense of like it requires a lot of time. So, I mean, um, and there's still enough to do here. People in the UK, I mean, there's like the Alchemist bar chain. So they'd serve a cocktail, like a Jaffa cake cocktail in my cup. So obviously I'd say you eat you eat your cup after you drink. You're going to remember, you're going to talk about it, no matter how much you don't care about sustainability. And probably the more drunk you are, the more you're going to talk about it even. But it's, um, it's that touch point that it creates, which is much more powerful than any uh, literature or digital campaign can ever do because you're experiencing it in yourself. So on today's episode, we're going through the Blue Ocean Strategy Mindset that's helped this Echo Tableware company just grow essentially and get into spaces it didn't even think it will. It's a great episode you don't want to miss, so do stay tuned. This is the 2X E-Commerce Podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. I'm your host, Kune Campbell, and this is the podcast where you come for inspiration for growth as usual, as usual, all the time. Speaking of which, um, I have just released a book called The E-Commerce Growth Strategy. Find it on Amazon or any other book website. Um, it's just called E-Commerce Growth Strategy. There are tons of nuggets on on how to to grow about 18 chapters if I'm not mistaken and um, yeah it's 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 if I have to say so it's a fantastic read if you want a refresher on e-commerce growth or you're learning e-commerce growth so go on get it e-commerce growth strategy I will link to it in the show notes now on today's episode I am joined by a gentleman um, called Max he is the founder, actually, Max Gelman. Max Gelman, he's the founder of a company called Struddles. And Struddles initially got a lot of recognition because of their pioneer work in delivering a, an edible um, you know, straw. Fantastic. Uh, he, he got into Dragon's Den, which is the UK equivalent of um, Shark Tank. And his 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 company got enormous exposure and sales at the time, and and now his is the, the business a bit more mature, and he's here to to speak to 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 the growth story of um of of, of Strudels, Echo Tableware, um and yeah, super interesting conversation I I had with him. I think that the main point I I got from him is this. Blue Ocean Strategy. Yes, um, we've spoken about the Blue Ocean Strategy on this podcast a number of times, but if you listen to Max 
properly well, very, very well. What you gain from him is always trying to play where then that where there's not too much competition where it's in the in less rowdy spaces playing in less rowdy spaces was my major takeaway from from him we um just spoke about his background in consulting and how that has made him a much more versatile entrepreneur who's able to go into various roles and now he's just looking for optimizing his time and um he is funny enough a sustainability snob um in the sense that um he doesn't like talking the talk he just likes doing the do and that's all i'll say for now super interesting conversation very 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 um affable gentleman i have to if i have to say that you know myself i enjoyed this conversation and and i believe you will he dialed in from london um he grew up in germany just for some background um and um yeah it's just a, a, a fantastic gentleman um all, all round so enjoy this conversation and yeah i will catch you on the other side cheers hey everybody welcome to the 2x e-commerce podcast now on the podcast we we hardly talk about sustainability and and i really think it's it's a topic we've neglected and it's something we're going to be doubling down for the rest of the season and um essentially yeah, that's why we have our guest today. Um, our, our guest is Maxim Gelman. He is um, the chief strudel at Strudel's Echo Tableware and is dedicated to changing the perception of sustainability by making it fun and easy. With over 14 years of experience in international consulting, strategy and operational and interim management um, across various industries. Maxim has also mentored and invested in ventures across fashion and, and CPG. He is, as I said, the co-founder, is a founder actually of, of Strudels and um, we're going to talk more about Strudels um, shortly. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Max to the show. Welcome, Max. Thanks for having me. Really grateful. Fantastic, fantastic! I've been really looking forward to, to 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 speaking with you. Just in a sentence, what is Strudels? <laughs> Basically, at Strudels, we're trying to reshape, as you said earlier, the nature of sustainability with a range of eco tableware that's fun and sustainable and easy to use. To basically to inspire more people that sustainability doesn't have to be this big doom and gloom type concept. Okay, so, so, so a little so, bit more than a sentence. <laughs> okay, fantastic. No worries, no worries. So, so, so eco table tableware. Your your flagship um, product was um, they're like spaghetti or pasta straws. Pasta yeah, straws, correct. right? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah exactly. So, I mean, yeah, correct. So, it's pasta drinking straws. So, co correct. I mean, that was, that's basically my flagship product. That's the one that kind of got me all the viral press. Uh, that's the one I was on Dragon's Den with um, back then. So it was basically for, for the first, I think, two and a half years, that's the only product I had. And uh, yeah, I think the internet, I think Unidat or Let Bible, one of those coined me as like the man who invents, invent, invented pasta straws playing on all the punts. <laughs> <laughs> for some context to our US listeners, um, Dragon's Den is equivalent to uh -huh. Shark Tank. Okay, yeah. so we're going to unpack that a bit later in the show. Were you the first to market with 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 with, with, the, yeah. with the pasta straws? So it was yeah, your yeah, idea. Yeah, exactly. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have so a again, patent on it? 
No, you can't. So I just want to get to that because basically, obviously, again, at the end of the day, it's uh, pasta. So uh, <laughs> if the the patents you can probably uh, assign to the Romans in the 1700s in that sense. So <laughs> that's why it was just like, yeah, I was just, and again, obviously the idea, the inspiration came from uh, Italians using it for fun, I guess, for generation, if you ask the older generation. So that's why, but then that's partly to my business strategy straight away there, because I knew that from day one or like from minus day one. Hence, obviously it was all about brand. I mean, I would have done it anyways, focus on brand, but there was just another reason to, to go for marketing and brand as a priority over okay. kind of maybe focusing on sales, like most companies start. That's fair. That's really, really fair. As in, because um, the products can't always be replicated, but the brand is unique. It's a soul in of itself that people should remember and, um, and love, learn to love Correct. and like. Yeah, and I okay. guess we we get to speak about it later. But it's everything I'm building is towards a brand rather brand. than a product business. So I'm yeah, fantastic, we'll fantastic. And I, and I really like us to distinguish um, between the two. But but before we we, we jump into in, into into strudels, mm-hmm. let's learn more about Max. What, what is your backstory? What's your background? And how do you think that backstory led you to building yeah. out, you know, Strudel? Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, so I guess like uh, when I went to uni in Manchester, uh, Hong Kong, I, I grew up in Germany before that. Um, and then basically uh, jumped into consulting. Uh, well, partly, I guess, like most people go into consulting because you don't know what you want to do. It gives you the diversity. I mean, it's almost like, I guess that, uh, whatever in, in this in the state it's called liberal arts uh, uh, <laughs> course where you just do whatever you like. So consulting is a little bit the counterpart of that in the real life. Um, and I, but again, so well, I, I still, if you look at my CV, it, I would still say freelance consultant. So basically, I have a 14 years background. So obviously, that gave me quite a lot of exposure. So in the beginning, yeah, I was with a proper firm where you kind of like do the usual stereotype. I mean, I'm just watching House of Lies. Uh, so unfortunately, amazing show on that note, but like, unfortunately, well, quite close to the, to the reality, uh, although obviously exaggerated, but yeah, it's obviously you just, um, deliver theory. Um, but then again, obviously it gives you quite a lot of exposure to various industries, but then almost, I think year, year two into it, I switched to a more interim management consultancy with quite a big gap in terms of age and experience and stuff. So there were the like older guys who kind of like, ex-board of directors, so kind of like 50 plus at that point. And then there was like two of us young, uh, kind of like 20, 25 kind of thing. So what I'm trying to say, obviously, the exposure was great because we were doing interim management, i.e. you kind of restructure companies, you get thrown in the deep end, um, and there is no time for PowerPoint presentations and uh, things like that. It's just basically implementation. So obviously, so quite, so for basically four or five years of that time, I had like quite very strong exposure. So a lot of like hands on, which is, I guess, quite a unique experience in the consulting world. So obviously, again, fast forward, I then went freelance, um, much more industry. So I mean, I've done anything from like diapers for the elderly, fashion, uh, so a lot of more sexy industries. Um, and, but basically, how that shaped my experience that obviously it gave me the confidence or it gave me the ability to wear every single hat in my business. So, I mean, up until today, I mean, if I would want to, I, well, I could even do probably most of the accounting function. The question is what I want to. Um, but again, I guess I have quite enough confidence to have an opinion as well, a qualified and educated opinion in all areas from uh, operations to finance. 
Hence, obviously, setting up makes setting up a business in my case makes it a little bit easier because you don't need to hire um, expertise, subject matter expertise. And I think up until now, and probably I guess we're getting to growth, um, like four four and a half years into it. I'm pro well, it's still enough, but like obviously, I'm reaching those stages where you do want to outsource. Um, some of the functions, especially the operational side, because it's not worth my time, so to say. But I think the what cons- the consulting bit, so it gave me that um, experience, but then also it gave me, which I guess like I'm quite fortunate to have, it's like a little bit of a fallback. So obviously, like the first two years, I could safely do my startup, invest money in it, because I knew I can. Uh, well, I'm to be very honest, psychologically, I'm still on all the, um, what's it called, mailing lists of all the agencies just to get those emails to know that, you know, almost like psychologically, yeah, if I need to pay back my debts, yeah, to pay back my debts, I can go do some boring project in the middle of nowhere. Um, so it's, I think that's almost like that fallback. I think a lot of people are afraid to do their own business, but A, you can always get a job again. So for me, it's like, I guess it's a little bit easier in the freelance world. You can always get a gig. Um, so I think that so it's the combination of the fact that obviously consultant gave me the diversity in my in my background to start a startup from scratch and um, cover and save costs, so to say, because I can do most of the roles. But then also it gives me like almost like a buffer that I can always fall back on, which mm. allows you to run the startup without well with less worries, not without worries. So. A uh, good point on, on diversity in, in consulting, um, particularly in industries and, and as you said, functions, specific functions within within the industries, which is giving you that versatility to, to towards running, you know, your 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 strudels, you know, um as lean as possible, which is what you need. You know, you need you need that top line, you know, margin um to, to, to really, really um, you know, soak in into your um in, into other other bits or other expenses and um you know yeah. operational expenses you, you you need to to run the business. You you did mention um if you know functions within operations that you're considering delegating. Um what 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 comes to mind? Well no, I mean I think it's a general COO role. So I mean I guess I say like now four and a half years into it, it's still fine. But like you know, spending um because I mean, like a typical startup, you obviously put band-aids on things like processes are not optimized. So, mm-hmm. I mean, at the moment, I mean, there's days, I mean, even this morning, I mean, like, you know, uh, chasing logistics, um, ordering um, uh, kind of, well, supplies and things like that. I mean, those are like the basic things, but I guess like partly that's that's due to non-existent processes um, uh, in some form or another, but it's just like, so... My time now, especially where it's all about growth, is best spent, you know, in the meetings, kind of like um, in conversations, at events, and, and, and. Whereas at the moment, um, unfortunately, probably 40, 50% of my time is spent with tasks that shouldn't be with me. So, I mean, it obviously starts with bookkeeping, which already kind of like saves up, saves off or whatever, like two, three days. And it's almost like you, you get to that stage where it's like, is it worth, when is it worth then starting to pay for service yes that you could do yourself however it's not even about the money but it's the time it frees you up and also the mundanity of the task so i mean i get excited by a challenge yes but like is it worth my time solving a logistical challenge um so it's just it's just tasks like that plus i mean again um it's just like getting more more just recognizing how is my time best spent because i mean with growth um the task lists increase. So I guess it's just, yeah, being true and honest and like, uh, uh, yeah, 
taking some of my plate, but obviously the risk is like micromanagement. Mm. So obviously mm. I'm used to doing it. I'm used to doing it to a specific standard. And obviously like I don't have the funds to hire someone at my level to take over um, uh, some some of those tasks to, to the same level. And so it's, it's all those, I think, aspects that are in someone's head when the whole outsourcing journey starts, but it's always a trade-off. Let's take a short pause to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. So if you have been following my journey here on this podcast, you'll know that I'm a co-founder at Octelian, a consolidator of digital first good for you CPG brands. We acquire CPG brands with the view of scaling them up. We currently have a portfolio of three brands, all powered by commerce platform Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage startup entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control in every sales channel. So whether you're selling satin sheets from Shopify's in-person POS or offering organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. I remember the first brand we acquired was running on another platform with quite poor conversions. We made it a point of duty to get it migrated over to Shopify and our checkout conversions literally doubled. What I love about Shopify is its ease of use. I don't think there's any other e-commerce platform that beats its usability. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify's truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24 help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash e-commerce x2, all lowercase. That is go to shopify.com slash e-commerce x2 to take your business to the next level today. That is shopify.com slash e-commerce x2. Hey 2Xers, I want to take a moment to talk about a service that has made a significant impact on product launches for our e-commerce brands. It's called Tread. Tread first hit the market in early 2020 and has since become the go-to financing option for over 500 brands, including big names like Rosum. In just one sentence, Tread can be described as the ultimate solution for purchasing inventory, allowing retailers to sell first and pay suppliers later. As an e-commerce brand owner myself, I can't emphasize enough how helpful Tread has been for our business. Their unsecured funding and credit model, which takes into account the current financial health of a business, has allowed us to access financing without worrying about collateral. We've improved our cash flow by avoiding upfront supplier payments and freeing up funds. 
This has enabled us to invest in larger orders, expand our product range, and even negotiate supplier discounts. And let me tell you, the flexibility is amazing. Tread offers a pay-as-you-go model with a flat and transparent fee, which means you only use it when you need to. No hidden cost or long-term commitments, just a simple and effective way to manage our inventory financing. The best part? Tread works independently of e-commerce platforms and requires minimal onboarding. It doesn't matter if you're a founder, CEO, CFO, or part of the finance team. Tread can be a game changer for your business. With taglines like sell first, pay suppliers later, and snooze your supplier invoices with Tread, it's clear that Tread is all about empowering businesses like ours to import the goods we need now while handling the invoice and allowing us to pay up to 120 days later. So if you're in the e-commerce space and looking for a smart, flexible financing solution, I highly recommend giving Tread a try. Visit their website on T. R-E-Y-D.io. That's T-R-E-Y-D.io to learn more and get started today. Now, let's get back to the show. That's a very, very interesting point there. And um, it reminds me of a, of a quote I read literally yesterday, which was more around the, 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 the sole function of a startup CEO is quote-unquote sales. Um, this was in the SaaS, um, you know, space where, whereby, you know, obviously in, in SaaS, you, you need that growth um, to, to fund all other things. Okay, so, so mm. let's, let's get into, into, into Strudels. Who is your customer? Yeah, um, it's, that's, again, it's a very diverse, and I know some people say, oh, everyone's my customer. Well, in my case, that's unfortunately, fortunately the case, because obviously there is the B2B angle. So it's anything from in catering space or restaurants, bars, uh, cruise ships, uh, prisons, hospitals, so anyone that does use edible, uh, well, tableware like spoons, straws, cups, plates. Uh, and then there's the usual catering sector. So that's events, uh, kind of like office catering. Uh, and then there's obviously the direct to consumer um, uh, e-commerce. I mean, uh, you need something for your party for, as a present. Um, or, and then there's obviously like the retail stores that then again sell to those customers um, in that way. So it is a kind of like fortunate, unfortunate, I say on purpose, because obviously, if, let's say if you say cell phone cases, it's a very narrow market, very easy to market to. With us, it's a very diverse and like every day someone defines a new or finds a new sector almost like not every day, but once a week, once a month, something new pops up. And then obviously now we're branching out into further products like we just launched kids products. Just again, so under the logic, let's say I have the distribution, let's say I have the ear of, a, I don't know, the sustainable person within a hotel group. So I might as well pitch them other products. So that's kind of like to the bigger picture of like, I'm trying to build a brand and then more products underneath are just more my brand touch points. But like the idea is like to be known as like, you come to Mr. Strudels uh, for all your sustainable needs, whether it's sustainable balloon sticks to, I don't know, sustainable whatever, well, tableware in my case, but like to sustainable whatever. Are they all pasta based? 
No, no, not, not, so nothing else. Uh, and I know that's deceiving, so you're like every, everyone uh, assumes that, but like um, not, none of the other products are not, I have nothing to do with pasta anymore. So it's only the straws that are from pasta. All the other products are um, way, so basically like gluten. So they're biscuit spoons. I mean, you can see here, they're like chocolate spoon there. There is like edible cups nice. from wafer. Uh, there is edible bowls. Um, so it's all basic gluten. And then uh, the kids' products are just like, obviously just, uh, there's like flowers that change the color of lemonade. There is a cake and a mug make. So again, I'm more and more getting away. So probably like there will be hardly any new products added on the food side. So I think any, everything else I will be doing now is more like going to be non-food and always under my brand premise of being fun and easy to use to uh, inspire and change the sustainability perception. Because it's basically, we offer sustainability immersion and I think that's the big difference. So yeah, you can have a nice piece of paper um, which talks about carbon footprint and some uh, shocking images, but I think we're all sick of it, if we're very honest. And like, uh, they're not really, well, it kind of goes above your head. Whereas if you're, so in, uh, people in the UK, I mean, there's like the Alchemist bar chain. So they'd serve a cocktail, like a Jaffa cake cocktail in my cup. So obviously I'd say you eat, you eat your cup after you drink. You're going to remember, you're going to talk about it, no matter how much you don't care about sustainability. And probably the more drunk you are, the more you're going to talk about it even. But it's um, it's that touch point that it creates, which is much more powerful than any uh, literature or digital campaign can ever do because you're experiencing it in yourself. And on top of that, there is scientific research, actually. Um, there's research that uh, by eating things, a very different synopsis close. So I'm almost, it's a double whammy because uh, it's fun, it's quirky, and plus you're then eating it, i.e. you're even going to remember it more. Yeah, and then you also remember the venue Speaking of Correct, the alchemist, exactly. which is a so cocktail that, bar, to go back again. So, so for 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 some of your customers, it's a it's a win win, really. Correct. Um, there's that brand memorability, and they link it to to yourselves. So, so speaking to 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 your customer base, I guess um, they also have to make that decision because you're you're almost industry agnostic. In, in that yeah. sense, because you're discovering, you know, new industries every now and then, but they have to make that conscious decision that, look, we, we want to do better for the planet. Correct. And how do we do it? So how, how do you sort of get into that conversation? How do you know the conversations? Is, is every sort of opportunity inbound or um, are you outbound in two? Um, so I think now there's a lot of like inbound. Um, I think now because we've been around, uh, people now come to us, you hear it, you see it somewhere. Uh, you Google, you end up with us anyways. But um, I think the beauty, I think with me, and that's why I need to be in more of those conversations, Like, and that's where, again, based on consulting, I guess, I'm like this out-of-the-box thinking. Um, there's quite a good book, I mean, Blue Ocean Strategy. I mean, like I didn't realize at that time how inspired I will be by it when I'm at 15 years later. So Blue Ocean Strategy is almost like how Cirque du Soleil was founded, that basically they've taken a boring industry. I mean, don't offend anyone, but circus, uh, and then like obviously taking entertainment and almost like kind of taking um, film and things like that, and two of both worlds and created a new industry. So, so I think th the beauty with me is like, I mean, you can put me in the room with anyone, whether you own a small fish and chip shop to whether you own, I don't know, a charity, um, I'll find the way um, to work with you um, because, again, because obviously I go beyond the product. So whether even if it's just like going to be um, some project on the, on the marketing side 
or whether you're going to use my my products or if it's going to be a service. So I'll find a way. And I think that's the beauty about what, what I'm doing um, in that sense that like there's always an angle, especially after four and a half years. And people, mm-hmm. and because of the of how we partly on purpose, broadly, we're putting out our information. That's why we always get like the diversity of people coming to us. So I mean, from yeah, waste management company to and and and. So just because the messaging is now done in a way where it's kind of like you interpret what you want to interpret into it, which obviously uh, makes it also difficult. Because if I would have, let's say, unfortunately, again, the same use case, like a, a iPhone case, like I have a very targeted market, I can play a shotgun approach, whereas I have to unfortunately do like a targeted fishing approach if you want it like that. Um, so, for, and then hoping that people, whoever needs to see it, sees it. Okay, so so, so it makes sense, the, the blue ocean strategy. So you're always thinking, um, you know, quite differently. Outliers, another sort of quote I remember yesterday was more outlier thinking in, in order to sort of place yourself in, in a place where there's there's less competition and you get attention and more inbound. Mm. Um, so yeah, just going back to the backstory, because you mentioned Dragon's Den was yeah. from ideation to Dragon's Den. Do you want to sort of paint us or give us that journey, what that journey looked like? You know, how how you you, you how you got to the Dragon's Den from from um, how you came up with your prototypes. And uh, yeah, the traction yes. you had made before Dragon's Den. Yeah, I mean, so Dragon's Den, basically, they reached out to us. So, and, and basically, it was almost like, uh, I, I knew, like, it's it's too early almost. But then, like, all my friends, like, just go, uh, it's it's definitely worth it. And it's one once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So that's what we almost did. So so that's why the, they have scouts out there looking for for companies. Um, and then, luckily, we did that before before COVID. So, obviously, like, Sorry, if I would have pushed it kind of like almost by a year, uh, likely would decide it wouldn't have happened um, in that sense. So um, in terms of like publicity, because that's what you're asking, um, you do obviously get uh, website spikes and you do get, I guess, more orders, but it's not, um, again, it's almost the same. Like, so I had all the amazing press from like Unilad, Lad Bible, and a lot of like the bigger uh, bigger names in, in the media space. So it's, it's the same. So because you're talking to such a wide audience, it's not like, like at the moment, like I'm, I try to go to pure, very specific trade events where I know I'm going to get a very high conversion. So there again, it's a proper fishing piece, but in the early days, that's what you want. Cause it's again, it's about that awareness. That's obviously now, but we're fast. I'm, we're talking like two, three years later, fast forward you're living off the fruits of it because it's almost like that sets the foundation, gets your name out of it. But the big preconception, I remember like there was a big realization when the first wave of big press from BBC, Good Food, Huffington Post, whatever hit, it doesn't result in sales. There is no correlation. uh, And then like most of my friends say that. So because of the audience who reads, let's say, whatever, Huffington Post, uh, Sun, whatever, like it's not the uh, normally the audience that like, what needs or wants and needs to buy your product. And then, so obviously that awareness paired, let's say two years later. So that's why I get a lot. Of, I've seen you, I've heard of you, I've recognized you. So it helps when someone that has a physical touch point with the product somewhere. So that's what I'm saying. It builds the foundation, but you can only live off the fruit of it if, if at the later stage, 
when someone when you have a, almost a second or a third contact so right. that's because even on an seo perspective my seo guy says like you you don't even benefit of i don't benefit of all my coverage from four years ago anymore i mean that's all evaporated <laughs> for google purposes hmm. some really really strong points you made in in your model which is you know get that get get that exposure up front you know as much as you can you can and and don't stop there. Don't say, "Oh, we, we we've got that that exposure. We're we're, we're done. We we reached El Dorado." You 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 then start to you know sort of put feet in the ground. Go to the right conferences. Go to the right exhibitions. Speak to the right people. And because they 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 they've seen and heard about you before, there's a track record. There you know people need to sort of get exposed there. You're not having to explain what the brand is. You're having different level conversations with them. Um, which is which is very very you know interesting. Okay, so from a um, from from a just sales gross merchant value standpoint, where where are you guys now in terms of revenue, in terms of orders processing? Uh, you 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 mentioned the fact that um, most of your your sales are B two B. What's that breakdown of B two B versus D two C? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, at the moment, yeah, the majority, just because of the nature of it, is the volume c- comes from B two B. Because obviously, I mean, let's say a restaurant goes through as many straws as I probably need to spend whatever x x weeks of selling. Because I mean, a box of this is forty, and then uh, the trade box is nine hundred, which they probably can go through in three days. Uh, so j- just the, just the relation of it, and plus, I mean, we're only now. So now we are available in like uh, I guess you have. Uh, international audience, but like you, but our biggest retailers, Oliver Bonus, in that sense. But again, for in the in the context of things, that's still only eighty odd stores. Um, mm. So again, that's why just purely yes, the retail side is the brand building angle. That's why obviously now I ha- almost have the luxury to focus back on it. But from a business perspective, B two B is where the where the money is to pay for all the business growth, business development, and all the brand building, so to say. So, um, yeah, so just, just, and it's almost the same effort uh, to hunt after like a, a deal in B2B, which, which obviously with a much bigger outcome later on uh, versus uh, direct to consumer, whatever, five pound purchase. Okay, interesting, interesting. And then what does your, your financial stack look like? By that, I mean, what um you know financial tools services yeah, yeah. do you have in place to 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 really shore up your cash flow and um just the finance of of, of strudels no obviously yes yeah. so obviously i guess for a lot of product businesses i guess your your service uh um, SaaS people don't have those that problem so much it's obviously like you buy product today let's say by the time it's with you it's we're talking already like two three weeks and then you need to sell it over X uh, period of X. So, and then you're sometimes on, in the worst case, up to 90 day payment terms. So we're talking about a big cash flow gap. So I think I was very fortunate to have found the aspects of like invoice and stock finance. Because obviously, I mean, what that gives you, yes, obviously it comes at a cost like everything in life, but it's um, it's obviously, it gives you cash flow. Whereas basically, I guess for those who don't know, I mean, invoice finance is where someone, uh, let's say I write an invoice for a thousand pounds, uh, they pay X percent of the invoice today, and then uh, whenever the customer pays, I'll get I'll get the difference. And stock finances, let's say I've ordered now product for hypothetically ten thousand pounds, they pay the invoice on my behalf, and then there is like same like with the loan over a period of one to four months, 
you then pay interest on that. So it's almost technically, I guess, for, for layman's, ter- in layman's terms, it's almost a loan, but specifically tied to a, um, to a specific invoice. And that's obviously for a startup, that's a big uh, relief and saving because obviously if I don't have any stock, I have nothing to sell, so to say. And so it's almost like a chicken and egg type of thing. So obviously having or being able to benefit of those tools um, has been a big uh, game changer. Yeah, and it, it's very important to understand, um, you know, good versus bad debt. And and to me, this sounds, you know, similar to good debt in the sense that you have an invoice that's going to be paid in in ninety days, and and essentially, um, someone's paying it. You know, an organization is paying it for you, and um, because they're paying it for you. You know, um, it's 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 essentially guaranteed. You're buying time, obviously at a cost. Correct. But it's it's you're buying time. Essentially, you're trading time, and and then you're freeing up capital. So, so what? Which of the services um, would you do? You have you used, and do you have any other, um, you know, financial services in your stack? Besides um, stock financing or inventory um, invoice no, no, financing, no, no. I mean, I mean, I, like, I also don't. Know, I'm sure. I mean, well, I'm sure there is many other things that can be done, but I think no. I mean, probably like that's the big, uh, the two big categories that also, I guess, as a startup, you have access to. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, there's obviously during COVID there were all those loans, but I guess there was a special situation you wouldn't get hold of those loans. Otherwise, I guess, obviously, again, yeah. Um, anyone can do do business loan. Um, that's probably the only other um, financial instrument slash element. As but I guess in terms of proper tools that actually do solve a problem, I guess stock finance and invoice finance are quite out there. And I think probably the big perception and takeaway. So I think I thought for quite a long time that like uh, it's not accessible to small small companies. And this is only something I don't know you get when you're. Uh, some old school, uh, whatever, 20-year-old business. Um, and I guess the, the realization that it is possible, it is accessible for startups as well. Um, I think that was a big, big thing. That's why, I mean, I go about shouting to all my friends, well, founder friends that, that thinks like that instruments like that exist. Because obviously I, I have heard of things of invoice and stock finance, but as I say, I, I there was almost like a preconception that it's not going to be doable for me. Same like, I, like the, the big preconception, I definitely w- will will never do again with a new business. It's like uh, I did my, I had my own kind of where like stock storage unit and 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 obviously a lot of uh, problems and time and everything because again I had a preconception that like outsourcing your logistics is expensive and 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 obviously as soon as I didn't outsource it, I realized I mean it's I'm actually saving money on top of time and everything. So it's even if it's the same cost. So it's one of those things that you have preconceptions about, like you'll never do those things again because you learn. (laughs) Interesting. So who do you use for for invoice financing? Uh, So for invoice finance, it's uh, BB Finance. And then for stock finance, it's trade. Okay, interesting. This first time I'm hearing about um, you know BB financing. We're we're actually customers of Tread, which which is which is which is interesting. Okay, so 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 what 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 is the key difference between invoice financing and and um, you know and 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 um, uh, and stock financing? 
Well, I guess it's more like so invoice finance. I guess it's ongoing, and it, it, it's so. I mean, it's it's two things. I think not everyone has access to stock finance because I think they only finance like finished products. So you mm-hmm. can't finance, uh, let's say, I don't know if you need to buy. So I can't finance, let's say, my boxes. I tried, mm-hmm. believe me. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could. So you can only. I mean, I can finance the full assembled box of this um, to then resell. So it's literally just. Stock bought bought somewhere, Got it. brought them to your Got warehouse, it. sell. Um, and it. I think Got the invoice it. finance is obviously then like me writing an invoice to someone. So that's more than on the ongoing. So there, you're literally just fighting the fact that, like, or well, at least in my industry, people push you onto those big payment terms because hardly anyone pays performer. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. So. Um, top line question, just just a top level question. What do you think has been the single most important lever point for growing struggles? You know, over this this past few years. Um, I think there's there's two actually. I think it's probably like persistence. So it's just like continue. Like I mean, never give up. Just continue. I mean, unless until it's a written no, it's not a no. Um, and then I think the other thing is probably partnerships. So I think most my business most my relationships because uh it's not sales in that sense it's 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 strategic partnerships so it's just uh almost that thing like together yeah you can go um what was the quote again you can go far alone but you can go further together something yeah, you can go lines. fast fast on your own and there you go yes yeah. yeah yeah there you go that, that's what i was looking for um so um it's almost yeah so i think most my like well, the the big success of my journey was literally because partnered with someone with a like win win situation for someone and and with people because at the end of the day it's all about having fun and especially in hospitality, it's a big people's business so um it's it, uh, you can have as much of a good deal uh, on the table you can have the better price but at the end of the day it's a, it's a people's business so I think it's probably those strategic partnerships uh, that kind of even with well, so-called competitors, um, it's those are probably even more powerful. But it's I think those two things of persistence uh, and resilience, um, especially through things like COVID and things like that, um, and uh, and then yeah, just partnerships and. Where where are your favorite places for forging, um, you know, strategic partnerships? Well, it's, uh, so I'm a big believer in serendipity. So it's actually like the non, so just random events and random. So again, I stopped going to uh, consciously industry events, or like especially around sustainability, because I mean, uh, it's, well, for me, I have decided it's no point. Um, so it's more, it's literally just like the more, just I, ra- I normally try to go to as random events as possible. Because again, for me, in my case, uh, there is always a win-win because everyone always has a friend of uh, or knows someone and 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 um, it's actually those areas where you then you don't talk about business. So let's say if I'm the only one at a lawyer-only event, uh, I get much more out of it, uh, like because I'm the only different person in that in that room, um, and they are sick of talking shop all the time. <laughs> so so it's it's almost like uh, I choose my events as. Well, again, probably the big thing now is like obviously four years into it, I try. I, I have the. I'm fortunate enough to then I guess go to invite only events. So I, I stopped kind of again going. But again, that's part of the journey. Obviously, you need to go kiss all the frogs in the beginning. 
um, mm-hmm. almost like to and hustle and go to all the events. So, uh, but again, probably the big thing is like I try to avoid very industry focused uh, events because uh, yeah. rather as random as possible, because then there is then more room for um, serendipity and like weird and like um, out of the box type things to happen. Which leads to your blue ocean strategy, you know, um, value. Point, I guess, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, it does because, um, yeah, it reminds me of um, a few months ago. My partner and I were invited to 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 like a wine marketing event um, in, okay. in, Knight, in Knightsbridge. So, what attracted me obviously was Knightsbridge. Oh, I like to to go <laughs> for an event in Knightsbridge, right? And um, I had interesting conversations with, um, you know, wine connoisseurs, you know, people running really, really nice wine wine stores and nice wine websites. But what was quite interesting was that the person sat um, just two seats away from me was running a, a coffee machine business. So along with his wine business, they sell like to, to businesses like coffee machines. And we have a, a coffee brand called Lean Caffeine. And that sparked conversations with him to see how, when he's having conversations with businesses, how we could forge a partnership where they recommend exactly. our coffee to, to them, which which speaks to to you. And that was completely random. We didn't know where that was going to take us. So super, super interesting. Okay. So um, what about America? There's something I really wanted to talk about. Um, so when you know you were first to, to market again, Blue Ocean with um, with the straws, with, with the with the with the with the pasta straws, did you see um, like you know um, that sort of takeoff also in the in the United States, or did you? Because you said you focus in the UK and EU, you know, prior to us recording. Um, what what what's happening in the United States um, in in your space? Um, do do you know any yeah. brands who, who are taking yeah, opportunity? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, so I mean, so look, I mean, in the early days, I used to like pre-Brexit, I used to sell um, to the US via Etsy and places like that. So again, there is obviously, so I would love to be doing more there, cause especially because there is a much higher brand loyalty angle in the US. So I mean, I had people buying whatever for $200 to put stuff in their car, in their office, in their house, and then, and, and. Um, I just have too much respect for the market. So um, A, I don't want to do it from here. Um, be like, I don't want to build, because uh, such a vast country with such diversity, I don't want to build it from the ground up like I've done in the UK. So if like once entering the US, it needs to be with a big bank, so with a big, sorry, retail client or B2B client. But um, so especially like after all that, because obviously Unilad Press, like Unilad Led Bible, that's all a lot of like North American press. So I had a lot of like, angry emails almost like why are you not selling here uh kind of thing so yeah so i mean we're, we're constantly having conversations but i guess again the strategy just needs to be just needs to be very thought out um because i mean it, it's a it would, would just it's a quite a big distraction in the sense of like it requires a lot of time so i mean um and there's still enough to do here uh, but as i say like again if someone something someone comes along with a big bank that definitely will be there but i just don't want to do the same ground up building like from here just don't have the energy or bandwidth for that interesting 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 okay um before i let you go just a final question on your top tips for 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 sales given the fact that um you're very b2b skewed um how would you how would you so many listeners might be d2c exclusively and they've been, you know, thinking about, you know, B two B. What piece of advice would you give to to get them started 
and going? Well, I guess there it's a lot of like about the value add because I mean I think um, in when you direct to consumer, I mean I think it's just like the value add is more I guess around the functional use of the product. Let's call it that. Um, obviously, in a B two B scenario, everyone's always looking to um, well for that extra value because nowadays, even like let's say in a, in a contract, let's say school caterers, it's not just about anymore. Um, providing school meals. It's about like, what are you doing in education and, and, and. So I think it, it's if you, people want to move to B2B, it's just about thinking what extra value add can be provided to um, to the purchasing company. And also at the end of the day, um, that person in B2B, they all have, everyone's keen for their promotions. Everyone has their egos. So at the end of the day, you don't have that problem in direct-to-consumer, whereas suddenly they're, you kind of need to take all those things into account again, like how I think the pitch is just a little bit different um, because the variables and the benefits and value add for the business, for the individual you're dealing with, uh, it's just like very different considerations. But hence, obviously, also the outcome is much greater and can be much more life-changing than just uh, a direct-to-consumer sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't have said it any better. Well, Max, for those who want to to to, to follow you, to, to to who want to know more about yeah. Strudels, it's it's um strudels.co.uk. That's S-T-R-O-O-D-L-E-S.co.uk. I will link to to Strudels in the in the Thank show you. notes. Are you active on any social media platforms? Yes, in, Instagram especially. So oh, wow. at Strudels, and then uh, LinkedIn, obviously. Well, I guess that's more B two B content again back to that point mm-hmm. um and yeah and then obviously like it's, we're doing the usual obviously facebook is just a copy of instagram and then the new twitter x i think we started neglecting <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 connect you i'll connect with you on, um, on linkedin if we're, we're we're not already max it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the 2x e-commerce you know podcast and you know thank you for for sharing um you know um Shudel's success and and i wish you very very much more moving ahead oh, th- thanks for having me it was a pleasure cheers cheers 